Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe. Today with me, I've got Cody Gillies. Welcome, Cody. Hey, how's it going? Good. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the departments? I know you are on a new department since this grab, but just tell us about both departments, too. Sure. Yeah, I've been uh, uh, in the service for about eight years now. Started off as a volunteer um, for three years, and I still currently serve with them. And then uh, I got hired full-time in the city of St. Catharines, was there for three years, and then now currently the new department, uh, Orangeville Fire. So the new one's just a small composite department, one truck, but uh, it was much closer to home. So Nice. Uh, tell us about, so the department where you made the grab, what, what was the search culture like there? Um, it, probably pretty similar to um, a lot of places in the area up in Canada. Um, uh, they're pretty hose line dependent uh, service. So a lot of times you're, you're heading, it's primary search from fire control. So since you're in off a line and you're just searching off of a line. So I would say uh, by no means an aggressive search culture, um, more of a attack culture and then search as a, a part of the post attack. What, what, what kind of staffing do you guys have up there? Um, so in St. Catharines, uh, they run six stations and then it's uh, 27 people on duty, including the assistant platoon chief and platoon chief. Um, and then four person trucks. So every rig has at least four people. Uh, we talked with Josh Scott uh, several podcasts ago, and we know it's pretty big up there, the two in, two out. Is that uh, the same thing in your area? Uh, yeah, so that's similar. They do allow, like, you're allowed to go and make entry without having that second truck on scene yet. Um, and St. Catharines runs off more the, the blue card model, so the on-deck principle. Um, so, yeah, you're allowed to head in without and make entry without having somebody outside yet, but that's the assumption that there's another truck coming on scene shortly. So talk to us about a typical stretch water on the fire and search. Can you, how do you guys do that? Or how do you break, divvy up the tasks when you're doing that? Yeah, so I'm sure um, so up here we'll have to maybe navigate the different words. Uh, so we run like pumps, which is your engine. And then uh, ladders with the aero platform, but nobody, it doesn't really work often up here that anyone has a particular assignment on scene. It's essentially a rival order. So a lot of the times pump shows up, that first truck is always going to stretch a line um, and primarily going to be looking for the seat of the fire. And then second end truck um, or pump is going to stretch a second line and back that first crew up or go to another level. So second floor, basement, wherever they're supposed to go. And, uh, but same thing, bring the line and search. Um, pretty heavily cross-play dependent um, department for the most part. Um, and yeah, that's just how they, they normally stretch. And then if they have any extra people on scene, they start stacking them up and on deck in the front yard. When you talk about searching with a hose line, are they actually taking the hose line with them to do the search? Or are they stretching to the seat of the fire and then search, searching adjacent with that being like the way out? As a, so as a whole, um, it's typically keeping that hose line pretty close. Um, and that's even if you hit the seat, you'll back that line to keep it with you for the search for a lot of crews. 
there's some crews that uh, are a bit better at just dropping the line and then they'll, they'll smash off a search, even if that means leaving the nozzle person um, with the nozzle and the officer and the tools will head off and do a search. Um, but kind of crew by crew, but uh, for the most part, um, it seems to be that line stays relatively close to most, most people. Cool. It's always good to hear what people are doing in different parts of not just the country, but the world. All right, uh, Cody, why don't you take us back to this grab? Uh, yeah, so it was in January 2017. Um, we were actually already out in the road with another, uh, another pump doing a smoke alarm program. Uh, we do those after we have fires. So we had had an apartment fire the shift before. So we were out, uh, out walking to houses, just handing out pamphlets. Um, Tones came in for a structure fire. It was actually in the truck that we were with. It was in their district. Um, so we all kind of had to hightail it back to our rig and then head out to the call. Uh, we dressed, just dressed on the street, um, just parked beside our truck. So showed up and it was just a small single story, uh, probably not much bigger than thousand square feet um, with just heavy, heavy smoke showing and a bit of fire out of the, the Charlie side. Uh, we arrived as first two crew. At that time, our most, we had, were riding our most, uh, uh, our recently delivered truck and the truck had been delivered inspect with the SCBAs in the compartments instead of in the seats, except for the officer's seat. So the two guys in the back had to jump out and dress before and throw a pack before uh, leaving the rig. So we showed up, there was a lot of bystanders in the street, which was abnormal. And as we were getting our packs on, the captain was doing the 360 and the bystanders were just saying that there was definitely somebody in there for sure. So we stretched the line. And one thing we noticed is that there was a couple of neighbors were trying to kick in the door, um, the main door, and that there was a pickup truck parked right up against the porch. So there was no access up the stairs. We had to jump a railing which didn't really uh, register as a bit odd until later. Um, there was decent amount of fire in the living room, which was where the one entry was. We uh, finished forcing the doors that the neighbors had started and went in and just did a, we're pretty um, typical for us as left-hand, right-hand search as a lot of um, departments in the area, most of the crews. So we went in with the nozzle and the captain had finished his 360 that by that point and bumped in behind us and started searching, uh, called it a left-hand search. So my one irons person went and did a left-hand search of the living room and I just bumped in on the nozzle and we kind of, uh, like I dropped it and split and started to finish that search of that room with him. Um, once we made a turn into the kitchen area, uh, the captain called out that, that uh, there was fire rolling down the hallway. He's seen through the tech. Um, it was to the floor with smoke. Um, so I started hitting back a bit of fire. What we didn't realize after is that there's actually multiple ignition points all through the home, um, essentially at uh, every side. So there was a, a fire on every side of the building and in individual rooms. Um, we knocked back a bit of fire and the person that uh, I was searching with peeled off in front of me to complete a search off to our left. And as he did so, moved some what he thought were wires out of the way, 
and just called out, hey, there's a bunch of stuff dropped down from the ceiling. It was heavy hoarding conditions in the house. So it was pretty rough going to get around. Um, for the most part, we were duck walking. Once we had the fire knocked back, um, we were kind of waiting for our crew member to join up who was finishing a search off in another room. And I figured I'll just kind of get down and do a quick sweep in my area and put my hand right into a nice soft spot in somebody's belly. Uh, one of those kind of moments you laugh at afterwards because I remember turning to my captain and saying, I think I found somebody almost like it was a shock when we knew we were in there looking for somebody and it was essentially confirmed that, that there was a patient in there. Um, from there I went and again, one of, a, a, one of the things you do in the burn tower that you learn never to do is don't pull on people's clothes. First thing I grabbed was this guy's shirt, which came right off. Um, then went and scooped him up underneath the arms and went to pull. Uh, we realized pretty quick that he was hung up on something. Uh, so it turns out that uh, he had was hanging from the ceiling um, and then his line had stretched out that he was trying to hang himself with. So he's on the ground. So uh, my partner, Ty cut the, uh, the rope off and our captain was able just to kind of lead us out calling out the whole time. And we just did classic underneath the arms. I was dragging and my partner Ty was shoving at the legs. Um, probably only about a 20 foot crawl out. Once we had him extricated out into the porch, now there was a crew there waiting and we picked him up and, and essentially tossed him over the railing. And uh, that crew took him over from there. Uh, we were about to make entry again to complete our search, but the, uh, the officer at the time then called it into a defensive. So we were pulled out from there for a while. Wow, crazy story. I haven't heard of any one quite like this at all. Um, you said smoke conditions were, were pretty, pretty much to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. They're to the floor. And as, as soon as we, um, popped the front door, um, made entry in a bit more, they got considerably worse and the heat definitely went up. So what had happened is he had lit fires in all four corners of the building and a back window had popped, um, which that's what caused the fire to come down the hallway towards us at the front door. Um, so clothes ripped off. We've heard that before. Uh, how was he as far as grabbing under the arms and legs? Uh, was he slippery at all with any burns or were you able to get a pretty good grip? Uh, not slippery from burns, but I think when we were flowing our line, we soaked him down pretty good. So he was a bit slick like that. It wasn't, uh, he wasn't overly large. Like he was maybe 210, 220. Um, so uh, just kind of scooped on the arms and did a lot of dragging. So it wasn't, uh, now that we've trained on other ways, I realized it wasn't, wasn't the best. Um, but because it was such a short distance, I, it didn't uh, cause too much of an issue. With the, uh, you said you had pretty congested conditions with some hoarding uh, scenarios. I'm assuming that, that kind of, those conditions made it so you couldn't just like drag them along the ground, but it did probably weigh into, maybe not initially, but weigh into how you were thinking to, to, to get them out, to get them over to breathe. Yeah. Um, thankfully, it was kind of, for the most part, uh, 
where we found him to the doorway was one of the spots that was obviously one of his little pathways in and out of the building. That was one of his main uses. But yeah, one of the big things with the hoarding is it was just, uh, it made you a little more unsure when you were searching as to what you're actually touching. As, as you're going through all the piles of clothing and everything, um, you know, it, you're double checking and triple checking to make sure that there's not somebody tucked away in there. Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about duck walking as a search position. I know you, you were kind of forced into that, but yeah. And that was one of my, uh, my big takeaways after, um, after that fire it really made you realize like two things like the, the heat wasn't as wasn't high enough that it was driving us down. So I think that's what kind of led us into the duck walk, um, as well as the hoarding, but there's, um, you're not covering as much ground. Um, you know, your footprint's a lot smaller when you're duck walking and you're putting your head up where you can't see as much. So um, that was one of our takeaways that we talked about afterwards that, you know, of and discussed that getting down and, and kind of searching with that one leg out, one knee down and that tripod uh, puts you in a much better position to see and you're covering a lot more, a lot more floor space. Um, one of the things we looked at after is the guy had actually put a bunch of buckets of gasoline all through the home, um, like open top containers. And afterwards we went back in you realized how many of them were not knocked over, which to me told us that we didn't cover as much ground as we probably should have. Oh, that's a good point. You'd also mentioned with the hoarding conditions that you go through clothes and you go through them again. Um, I know a lot of people when they're, when they start at the fire academy are, are taught to search with a tool and use that tool to expand their, their ground. Um, sounds like that wasn't even an option in here. If you wanted to do a thorough search. No, no, for sure. It was all completely hands-on um, just sifting through everything. Is that how you guys normally search uh, using, using hands method and keeping a tool close or uh, was that unique to here? with a lesson learned that came out of it. Yeah, I think more of a lesson learned. Um, Cause same thing, right? The Academy teaches all that same swinging that tool and handle around looking for stuff and poking away. Um, so that would, that was how we were trained and through most of our recruit class and um, just academies here in general. So um, definitely a lessons learned for us after that one um, is that it's, you need to go hands on cause you have no idea what you're poking at with a tool. Yeah, to swing it, you find something, you got to put it down, and then you got to figure out what the heck you just found and then come back to your tool. It's kind of definitely a game of seconds, so we try to minimize all the, the wasted seconds here and there. Uh, speaking of seconds, what was the time factor uh, from arrival to the victims out here? I think it, uh, looking from our notes, it was rough. It was around five minutes from on scene, uh, from when the officer booked on scene to remove Well, cool, Cody. Uh, anything else that you wanted to share or lessons learned out of this one? Uh, I, th I think we pretty much covered them. Yeah, the big ones were just uh, for us to take home is even in those hoarding is to get low, to increase that visibility and just, you know, cover more space. Uh, and then the other kind of big one for us that we took away is with that recent apparatus change with those packs being in compartments. Um, I'm lucky that the partner as with uh, Ty is, is a super tuned in guy. So 
we went out and spent maybe about an hour, hour and a half, two hours throwing packs and figuring out how to best uh, get them on nice and fast. And both of us said the same thing afterwards that that made a huge difference on scene is just really knowing your equipment and, and being able to get it on and get, get going um, as soon as possible. So I think that definitely helped with the um, patient outcome. So the, uh, the crew that we passed him out to uh, were able to revive him and he was breathing one uh, on his own when they got him off to the hospital. So um, which is rare for us because normally our paramedics are there to, to scoop them up when we get them there, but they weren't there yet. So it was a, a old fire grab from beginning to end. Very nice. That's always cool to, to have a good outcome. Uh, we do what we can to get them out and we kind of let God sort them out after that. You bring up a good point though, with the, the grab, uh, you know, we joke and say clean cabs don't make grabs. And I'm certainly not advocating that we wear dirty gear and dirty equipment and get cancer and all that. But a lot of times those decisions are made by people with way more influence than us in our department. And we just have to deal with it. So I commend you guys for, for going out and practicing and figuring out, all right, this is what, what hand we've been dealt. How are we going to best reduce the time from arrival to entry? So kudos to you for that. Well, thanks Cody. Um, we definitely appreciate you sharing the story. If you make a grab or assist alive or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com and take that short survey. This information is for us, by us, and updated real time. If you want to share the story of your grab on a podcast, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or Nick Ladine. You can do that uh, by saying your name and your department name, or you can be completely anonymous. Uh, either way is fine with us. We just want more stories, the better. So until next time, thanks for listening.